Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And tonight on my 29th episode, I have two former Winnipeg Rifle receiving standouts, Mr. Kurt Goodridge and Mr. Julian Benares. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, man. Thanks for having us. Okay. Thanks for having us, Keys. Appreciate it. No problem. I'm excited to talk ball with you guys and kind of reminisce about the old times. You guys are grown men now with uh, thick facial hair, better than mine, and uh, <laughs> looking old. But uh, last night, guys, the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals. Giannis had quite the performance. Just wondering, did you guys tune in? Did you see the game? Yeah, that dude's a beast. Yeah, no discredit to uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday here either, okay? Because those are some big pickups, uh, especially Drew. But uh, those guys balled out. Obviously, Giannis putting up the 50-burger. That was, that was nice to see. Yeah, and the free throws, right? He hit he hit him last night. The 17 and 19 yeah. or something like that? There you go. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. I like seeing somebody else win for once. It's nice. Okay, guys, I want to transition and just kind of get things kick-started here for today and kind of get into your backgrounds. Kurt, I'll start with you. Can you talk to my audience about uh, your family background, growing up, or where you're from, that kind of stuff? I grew up in a little uh, area outside of Winnipeg, uh, West St. Paul, Manitoba. Dad, workaholic, worked basically from the morning until the afternoon, always tried to make it out to practices and stuff like that. And my mom kind of just you know, held the fort down for everything else. But uh, no, it was just it was very simple. It wasn't too hard. Parents were very supportive throughout my entire career. So it was really nice to have them around. And uh, honestly, for just activities and stuff, I was just playing outside, you know, basketball, throwing the ball around with my parents, either one, whichever one was home early enough. But uh, no, that was basically it. I grew up in St. James. My parents, uh, my parents are actually divorced and separated. But initially, growing up, when I first started playing football, my dad... Uh, my dad and mom were together, and I remember my like the first time going out, and I was watching uh, the Bombers play on TV, and I was like five or six years old, and I was kind of like, "Hey, Dad, like I want to play football." He's like, "Okay, you want to play football?" So then the next day he comes home, and he literally like he has he's a football in hand. He's like, "Hey, let's go outside," and uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm all excited, I'm all hyped up." I walk outside, and then there's my dad. He's like, "Okay, catch this." He winds up. And literally just hucking bullets at me, like no, there's no. He was no reining back. He was just, he was just going at her, and that was my introduction to football. And 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 you know, like my parents, my parents were, you know, also very supportive of, of what I did. And they, they, I'm pretty sure they signed me up to, to play for the Rods, like as soon as after that event occurred. But yeah. that's kind of when that's kind of when it started. My first ever sport was actually hockey. My, uh, I said, <laughs> Chris laughing. I started uh, when I was like two years old. My parents put me on skates um, just because, you know, that was, I guess, a thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I've been I've been skating ever since I was young, and and hockey was my first like true love, I guess, for sports. And then uh, that that slowly faded into into football, I guess. Just hockey was it got to a point where high level hockey was way too expensive, mm-hmm. and uh, if parents couldn't keep up with that, so uh, kind of just moved over to football. But other than that, like. I've I've played it all. Like uh, started with hockey, played soccer, played basketball, and also uh, dabbled in lacrosse for okay. one season. That was a uh, that was a fun time. <laughs> Box lacrosse too. Played it all when I was younger. I played uh, I played soccer growing up. I think like every you know suburban kid kind of <laughs> had no idea what to do, so they just threw their kids in soccer and kind of went from there. But uh, 
No, that, that was basically it. In West St. Paul, it wasn't too much besides this, this soccer or baseball, and I'm not coordinated enough to hit a, hit a baseball. So I stuck with soccer instead. And then uh, I think for my first football experience, I think I started in Adam. I'm not sure what age group that was. I was in that position where it's, you know, they're at that level, it's running back or nothing, right? You just hand the ball off and those kids run. So. Or you were thrown on defense to tackle kids, and that's where I was. So it's kind of my first experience uh, watching it. I'm a big NFL fan, so it was Tampa Bay. Um, not as big of a fan now because there's a bit of a bandwagon going on there. <laughs> but at that time, I think it was Arizona Cardinals, 99 versus Tampa, and Tampa won. So that's, that was my first experience. I was like, hey, I maybe want to try and do this. So. All right. Um, how about community ball? Did you both play community ball growing up? Julian, I'll start with you. Yeah, I played community ball growing up. Uh, I I ended up playing uh, for the St. James Rods. Um, I signed up, like, I started early. Uh, my parents signed me up. I was probably, like, I was probably the youngest on the team, like, five or six years old. Um, and kind of similar to what Kurt said, it was running back or nothing. Like, I <laughs> I, I didn't want to play defense. I, I didn't want to – I just wanted the ball in my hands and, and to run on that little mini field that they had for, for Terminator kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bobbleheads, everybody running around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the bobbleheads. <laughs> funny. And Kurt, so you played growing up for the Nomads? Yeah, I played Nomads from Adam all the way to, I believe it was minor Bantam or Bantam, because I didn't play in grade nine okay. uh, high school ball yet. Yeah, we were stuck with the Nomads. But uh, I played defense for the first, I want to say, three, four years, and then slowly transitioned into offense because it's my athletic ability. What position did they put you at? Why are they putting you on defense? God, man, I wasn't good. I was not a good football player growing up. I was not coordinated. I just could run moderately quick, and I guess my athletic ability kicked in later. But there was, there was nothing special about me early on. And then I guess once I started getting the ball in my hand, like, hey, maybe I could catch the ball. Maybe I could run the ball a little bit better. And I think that's when it kind of everything got into me after that. I mean, like when I when I was playing Terminator, I think all the way up until Adam, around like nine or yeah, around like nine or ten. My dad, my dad was coaching. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the he was one of the offensive coaches. Um, and uh, well, let me tell you, he never he never made it easy on me. Like he he would always pick on me, of, of course. Um, of course, just naturally how it goes. Mm -hmm. So. Um, he, he I guess, taught me to have thick skin pretty early, and that's that's kind of uh, that kind of formed the player that I was uh, later on. Yeah, well, that's important in the game, right? All the things we go through playing the game. So, being thick skinned learning that early is pretty valuable. Back at it for second quarter action with Kurt Goodridge and Julian Benares. So guys, I uh, I just released a new football camp, running a youth camp for grade eight to grade twelve at Oak Park High School, starting up uh, July 29th, going for five weeks every Thursday, working skills and drills, crossover competition, got all all positions happening. So I'm really kind of raring to go with that. Um, you know, being back at my old high school, I want to kind of get into your guys' high school careers. Uh, Kurt, I'll start with you. Can you talk about your high school experience at West K? Some coaches and players that stick out, and maybe some memorable moments. Yeah, for sure. So it was, it was very unique at uh, West Kildonan because I was part of that inaugural season um, from a lot of clubs that uh, that popped up like Garden City too as well. But uh, for coaches, I had uh, I, I had a good chunk. Um, Scott Shire was our vice principal. He kind of took over head coaching position for a while. Andy Robko, who is 
Uh, my nomads coach for a long time and really helped me grow into the person I was. But I needed I needed a lot of growing up in high school, and uh, I'll kind of push on that a little bit later. But uh, a couple of coaches really helped me out in that aspect. I thought I was you know top dog and. Then really realized that there's a lot more players out there at that time, so kind of had helped me mature a lot. But uh, for moments, you know, I won obviously the championship after we went, I think one and seven our first year. Started off really good. It was an inaugural game between Garden City and West Kildonan. Uh, we were getting the ball, opening kickoff. I caught it, took it house. Everybody was all jazzed up. We we're like, oh, we're gonna win the championship. We're so good. We're in the Curry Division too. So. Of course, our minds are just all over the place. And then I think we lost 46 to 7. Just a really ugly mess of the game. Didn't move the ball too well after that. It was really bad. But uh, we grew a lot, which was really nice. Uh, that first year, like I said, we were 1 and 7. Next year, I think we we're 3, 4, and 1. Um, so a little bit of improvement. Uh, last season, we actually you know, clean sweeped everything. Uh, playoffs. Regular season, we went undefeated, won the championship, and that was that was a nice moment because obviously with some of the other stuff that we've done, whether nomads, provincials, we weren't you know really classified as winners. We were kind of middle to the bottom level, but uh, it was really nice to kind of go out on top like that. It'd be great to win like your last year and win that championship and all the work that you put into it. You had some great teammates along the way. I'm thinking of uh, quarterback Marcus Ty. Fullback yep. uh, Tim Demidek, right? You had some, you had some good players along with you. Uh, Julian, how about you? You played your high school career at Sturgeon Heights. Was it Sturgeon Heights or Sturgeon Creek back then? The year that I ended up playing, uh, that was our second year of amalgamation. So that at that time it was Sturgeon Heights. Okay. Can you talk about your time at Sturgeon and you know memorable moments, coaches and players along the way? First started playing uh, in grade ten. So uh, I remember my last. Uh, in grade nine, my, my last season was with the Rods, um, playing over there, and then moved over in grade 10 uh, to play high school football. And, you know, at first, I, I didn't I didn't realize how, how good our, our team was. Like, I, I, I've heard, I heard about it. Like, hey, like, there's a bunch of guys, like, you got, like, Ryan Marsh, like, Keenan LaFrance, like, Anthony Coombs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I get there, and, like, it's just a team full of ballers. Like, I'm gonna be honest. We we probably should have been playing in the top of top division. Um, mm-hmm. But um, my first year uh, being there, uh, they put me at receiver because Marsh was playing quarterback. Um, but that year was, you know, it was just it was it was really like amazing to be a part of. Um, just because even our practices were were super competitive. We had some very high skill players and uh, blocking four. Keenan and uh, Anthony and watching mm-hmm. them run for each 200 yards a game uh, was 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 absolutely insane and uh, it was it was a really good part it was a good introduction I guess to high school football maybe set the bar a little bit too high <laughs> yeah. for my first year um, but uh, but either way that was that was a great way to come in roll in win a championship I think we ended up beating Garden City like 48 to six. Um, uh, at the at the old stadium, at the old Bomber Stadium, and then just moving on from there, like uh, grade eleven, grade twelve, like they, they weren't the greatest years, but they were still fun. It was it was really really fun competitive football. There were some memorable games that we played, and uh, I don't know, like it, it was it was really good to be a part of. And you know, some of the coaches along the way that uh, uh, that kind of helped uh, was well, first Neville Scarlett. I know we're going to talk about it later, but um, and also uh, Brett Watt. Uh, he, yeah. he really, 
he was, I guess, an integral part into into my growth as a football player. Um, you know, him being a quarterback who is who is shorter of stature, had to rely on his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually he taught me a lot um, and mentored me in that uh, sort of way. So, uh, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, definitely got got the chance to play with some really talented players along the way. Uh, like like I mentioned before, Ryan Marsh, Keenan LaFrance, uh, Anthony Coombs, um, Matt Ty, Marcus's brother, um, was very good too. And then uh, playing with like Zach Riegert and uh, and also the the Herdman twins. Herdman's, and, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a pretty stacked roster. No uh, Surgeon Height produced some good football players. That's an incredible roster of guys. You you kind of already alluded to it, and, and Kurt, I, I want to ask you. Obviously, Neville passed away a, a year and a bit ago, and it was uh, you know hard for our football community. I think all of us on here tonight have a relationship with Coach. He was somebody that was involved in the provincial team when I was playing still. But Kurt, I want to ask you about that relationship with Coach Scarlett. What did he mean to you throughout your time at West Cape? I came in the uh, my my second year at West Kildonan and took over the head coaching duties, and he was a huge inspiration to our team and to myself too. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, um, I had a lot of growing up to do in, in high school. Uh, provincials helped a lot with that, but not only just growing up as a, as a person, but as a football player too. Um, we didn't really have the most talented receiver coaches, and that's no disrespect to any of them. I mean, it was just. Kind of, we had to throw some coaching coaches together, and um, at that time, at provincials, obviously, I took a lot more coaching out of it. But uh, yeah, Neville really came in, and took me under his wing, and he, he knew the athlete I was, and he was trying to always push me to that next level. And I remember talking to him with the uh, rifle days, bison days, and eventually with the, the short of the bomber days. He always uh, he contacted me and always said, "Hey, no, you can you can play with these guys. Like you can do this. You can be at any level you want to be, but you have to have that that right mindset for it." So he really he really helped me out that with that. Um, confidence is a big problem for myself too, as well. Um, I know some people might not believe that in the football community, but uh, confidence is always a uh, always a big uh, thing for me and I had a hard time gaining it and Scarlett really helped me out. He pushed me in every direction possible from weight room, confidence, work ethic, you name it. It's, it's one, he's one of those people that you always wanted to give your best to and even in the off season you trained because you wanted to win but you wanted to win for him too. So he was a, he's a huge coach, big part of my life. Um, obviously, rest in peace. Um, miss him greatly and he's a big part of my family too as well um, my parents had a great relationship with him so it's very uh it's very tough when we heard about it and i know we were trying to help every way possible and we did a bunch of different events for him but it is very tough but super inspirational person for my life and, and for as a coach too as well coach scarlett he he actually was the the reason why i started playing high school ball um in grade nine i remember we were playing intramurals and it was indoor football intramurals so like on the basketball floor, like five on five, yeah. um, super dangerous, but it was also a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was just in grade nine at the time and I juking and dodging all these grade twelves that actually play on the search Heights football team. Okay. And I remember, um, coach Charlotte came up to me after the game and he's like, where do you play? I'm like, St. James He's like, why don't you play in high school? He's like, what? And literally from that day, he, he, every time I was in like in the gym, um, which is every day he, he would bother me to no end he'd be like i don't know like you're wasting your time <laughs> come play and um i actually also had the opportunity to um after he moved to west Coldon, and i had the opportunity to 
uh, have him on the Winnipeg Rifles coaching staff when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, man, like he, he was such a great, genuine guy. Yes. Um, so much fun to be around. Always kept the, the mood lighthearted mm-hmm. with his jokes and everything. And, he, you know, he was never he was never afraid or would never back down from from any sort of from any sort of comments. Uh, <laughs> always, always giving gaps, always fun. But that's that's the that's a fun loving guy that that we all knew. And I, I was I was grateful to, you know, have have him back in in my football in my football life uh, mm-hmm. later on. Um, just having him. I think that was my last year playing the rifles. Having him around, uh, it definitely made that last year a lot better. Again, so awesome to talk about Neville and the person he was, and you're so right. Such a lighthearted guy, made the room comfortable for everybody. Uh, I really enjoyed working with him at the Winnipeg Rifles. I want to transition a little bit, Julian. You talked about in your grade 11 year, you know, the season wasn't so good. You ended up playing a little bit of quarterback. I'm interested. Uh, what was that experience like for you to play quarterback? It was quite an experience. <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting for sure. Uh uh, that was my first time, and and I think that year too, uh, we moved up into into the top division. That was the first year that we ended up moving up, so we ended up playing against, um, you know, like St. Paul's, like DJ Lalama and Churchill, uh, Evan Gill at the time, and Thomas Miles that were playing uh, <laughs> on like across from me. And obviously, like uh, at the time, grade eleven, like uh, I'm definitely not the biggest guy. I'm, I'm very, I'm I'm pretty short in stature. You know, in quarterback for quarterback's sake, like five nine is not normally what a quarterback's height is. It was a lot of relying on athleticism. Uh, so I couldn't be your traditional drop back, you know, step back, throw it quarterback. It was mostly like out of the pocket move, run, uh, just trying to make things work because I, I couldn't see over the O line to be honest. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a lot of just relying on my athleticism, and I think um, I think later on in my football career that that really did help me grow into the player that i am um first off you know being a quarterback you have to know the play inside and out you have to know what everyone is doing even the o-line um so in in terms of football iq um being a quarterback definitely uh developed me into the player that i am and my understanding for the game uh and uh yeah like I, it was a it was a great experience. It was a fun experience. I kind of wish I played in grade twelve, um, but uh, in grade eleven, I I just remember like the offense that we were playing was a very traditional old school offense, like I formation, mm-hmm. uh, split backs. Um, I mean, like why wouldn't we? Because we had Anthony Coombs who's right. rushing for the three hundred yards a game. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but I mean, like other than that, like I I. In my grade 12 year, we kind of switched to a spread offense, and and I feel like that's where I would have thrived uh, a little more in a different system. But right. either way, like it was a great experience to, to play high school quarterback. Yeah, I, I kind of like the comment about you know how you that experience maybe helped you grow later down the road. I would think like being a quarterback and kind of like just being thrown into the moment, and you kind of got to figure things out, right? Like it's, if it's not your natural position, that would just kind of open you to what it's going to be like at the next level when you're playing with guys that are, you know, the upper echelon, the, the abilities higher, everything, the, everything's more important. There's more pressure, right? So dealing with that as a young man, I think would probably be helpful, you know, moving forward. So I really like that comment. Um, Kurt, you, you had a memorable moment for me, buddy, where uh, we had no quarterbacks on the provincial team. Everybody died. And uh, we were about to forfeit the game at halftime, and uh, you decided that you were going to take the reins. And thank God you did, because we were going to forfeit the game. Um, I remember you—you you were out there, 
you were running the offense like Peyton Manning. You were changing snap counts. You were rolling out. I, I don't think we scored any points, but, uh, man, every completion you made, like, our sidelines was up in arms. Like, it was – we got our ass kicked that day, but it was the best moment ever that you, that you did that. Honestly, man, like, what what character? Because, dude, we couldn't have played without you. So, you know, I definitely wanted to, uh, to make comment about that. What do you remember about that moment? It was, I knew this was like my last hoorah, I guess, for provincials at the time, because this is, I was nowhere in the age group anymore. And this is our last game, like you said. I think we were, I think we were 0-2 or something like that at the time. And it was, we were, we were losing, we couldn't move the ball. I understood that all the quarterbacks were down and just being in your system from the past too, and being around all those coaches for several years already, it's playbooks in the back of my head. I know every receiver position, arguably the running backs. I kind of know the steps. I yeah. had like a little experience at quarterback before. So I, I kind of figured, you know what, hell, we might as well do something with it, you know? Um, and I'll never forget this. I remember Reese Hansen was running. I forgot. I don't ask what play it was, but he was running a goal. I threw it to him and he slowed up. And we would have had, guaranteed, we would have had 60-something yard touchdown. He slowed up at the very end. But... <laughs> No, I just, I knew a lot of those guys. It was their last rodeo. I think we had Coons there. Uh, Gil, obviously, was a four-year person there. And I, th I think I just wanted to kind of go out and you know, just have some fun with that last half of football, I guess. You saved the day, man. And in kind of talking about provincials, guys, you know, we're getting these big smiles. And that was where I first kind of crossed paths with you guys. You guys were just young guys at the time. I think it was either U16 or U17. I can't remember. But uh, talk to me about playing provincial team, the memories of it. You know, did it prepare you for playing football at the next level? Julian, I'll start with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think the biggest takeaway just from playing uh, high-level ball is is even just like when you go to practice, you're playing against the better, like the best of the best, right? Um, when you're doing one-on-ones, when you're doing Skelly or running any of those things, like you're playing against the best players in Manitoba. Um, and then even then scaling up the competition to playing against the best players nationally, it really opens your eyes onto, you know, like the type of players that are out there. Um, and I think, I think the biggest part that I learned, uh, going into a setting like that, uh, is just preparation is key, right? We only have a couple of months to actually, you know, solid practice, get together, um, but then it's just watching film, diagnosing your opponents and, and making sure you're, you're running and learning the playbook. And I think, I think that really helped. Um, and then another, another key thing, um, is getting used to the, the type of speed that you're playing against too, mm -hmm. because, um, playing, playing at the provincial level compared to playing at a high school level, um, like obviously there, there, there were like some superstar teams out there that, that definitely felt like you're playing against a provincial team. But, um, I, I'm just talking like the speed of the game, like everything just goes a little bit faster. Uh, everyone hits a little bit harder. Um, the things are just moving really, really quick. Um, right. so you really have to adapt to that. And get used to it. So that's the biggest takeaway that I had from provincial team. Oh, that's that's great insight to kind of the the little microcosm that the provincial team is, right? It's such a small, condensed little version. You've got these workouts through the winter. You know, you get together for blue and gold. It's a really short week. Then you go to training camp a month later. Like just the whole process, it, it's kind of really drawn out. And then you go play the tournament, and it's like you know a few days, and it's over, right? So it's uh, it's a it's a weird environment. But but I like those comments because I also think that like the experience of being in that environment where it's kind of high pressure. 
you're playing multiple games in a short period of time, which probably shouldn't happen. But anyway, that's a different conversation. But regardless of that, like the experience of that, you know, and you know that people are watching, you know, there's scouts there, you know, it's important, right? All those kind of things, you know, prepare you for that, for that next level. So I like the insight there, Julian. Kurt, can you talk about your provincial team experience? Yeah, I, I love provincials. This was a highlight of my summer and, you know, winter and every, every single camp that was out there. I loved it. Um, just gravitating to some of uh, some of the coaches like yourself. Uh, big shout out to Dan Sylvester because he was the one that uh, he pushed me through a lot. And I he was just one coach that I was like, I have to ball out for this guy all the time. So I really gravitated towards him. He helped me out, and I uh, busted my butt constantly for him. And met some great coaches along the way. Uh, Sherbrooke was my first year um, with provincials and that was a heck of an experience because Montreal had some adults on that U16 team. It, like it was, it was a nasty, nasty experience there, but uh, no, it, it was great. And I think that, you know, for me coming from the Curry division of the time at, uh, at West Kildonan, I was a no name. I had nobody knew about me. And that's something where if I didn't go to provincials and didn't have the success I had at provincials, I, I wouldn't have gotten to the, levels that I got to, um, but it was just, the, it was the coaching that was so much different. It was the players like Julian alluded to that are at that extra level compared to what you're used to playing and you meet some great guys and great coaches along the way and you have some great experiences. And I think that was one of the funner parts for me and my entire career was, hey, I have to have fun. If I'm not having fun, it's, it's, it's not the right game for me. Right. Um, that was, that was always super fun for me and obviously I love the pressure too, because you know you have to perform kind of like you said. It's you have scouts from every single CIS school that are that are watching you or have access to that film. And if you're putting on a show, you're putting on a show. So, you know, I, I love that pressure. Um, when I started at Sherbrooke, I was at the bottom of the depth chart and kind of climbed my way up through the uh, the process, had a really fun Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, whichever one you want to call it. Yeah, I was at, yeah. somewhere around there. Um, had a real good tournament there, Acadia, like you kind of talked about earlier. That was a fun time, and you no, know, it was just it's a it's a great experience. Um, wouldn't change it for the world. Met a ton of great people there, a ton of great coaches. So I had a blast. That was definitely a highlight for me. Yeah, I think Saskatchewan was the first time. Like going through that process was the first time I met you for. Yeah, you hated me for a bit. I remember all the receivers hated me because I had a good relationship with Brighton Balls, and he was just like <laughs> on me for every pass. And everyone's getting mad at me. I'm like, I'm just catching the ball, guys. Come on now. <laughs> Back at it for third quarter action with Kurt Goodridge and Julian Benares. So, guys, uh, I'm an original rifle from back in the day. 2002, first ever team, inaugural team. We were horrible. But, uh, but yeah, I was the starting cue. I was the first cue ever to play for the team. So, I'm quite proud of that. You guys obviously both played for the rifles. Julian, I want to start with you. What, uh, what made you decide to play for the Winnipeg Rifles out of high school? Out of high school, uh, I remember uh, I joined – pretty late um almost like right at the start of summer camp okay. um just because uh well first i didn't i didn't join any of like their their winter workouts or off season so like and i didn't really hear about it from anyone and um but i i just remember coach Restepo. um you know i i, I showed up to 
uh, I showed up to a, a workout or something, but I ended up getting in touch with coach, coach Graceffo and he's like, he's like, Hey, like, why don't you give rifles a try? Why don't you come play? Um, and like, I guess at the time, like coming straight out of high school, like I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I, I didn't really have plans to play university ball. So, um, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like it's another competitive space to play, to play football in. And, uh, that's kind of how I started, started going was, uh, coach Graceffo reached out to me and, uh, and then it, the rest was, you know, that was the that was the first year of, of five. Yeah. And Kurt, you out of high school, you go to the Manitoba Bisons. I did the same thing. And then you make the switch to the rifles. So tell me about that first year at the Bisons. What made you decide to, to go play junior instead? Yeah, it was, it was a really unique experience. Uh, this is my first time, you know, playing at a high, high level ball. Um, along with trying to do school on top of that. And it wasn't so much the football that kind of pushed me away from the Bisons. It was definitely the schooling. And I remember it was semester two, second semester, and I studied hard for this. I promise you, I started and studied hard. I was a stats exam. And I got not like 50%, I got 5% on my stats exam. Yeah. And this is a dude that has, I'm good with numbers now, right? So that was kind of like, all right. See you later, Doby. I think this is it. Um, but no, it was, it was a wicked experience. Um, it really helped me to see that, hey, I need to put on some size because I was probably about 140 pounds soaking wet at the time. So it was, uh, I really had to start training. I always did my sprint program, all that kind of stuff, but the weight room was definitely not there for me. And Evan Gill and I used to work out constantly together. So that, uh, that definitely helped me on how I should be working out. Maybe not like a defensive lineman, but. It's kind of why we had some problems later on, but fucking defense blinded. Yeah, <laughs> prison arm workouts every Friday. With that, that was a that was a highlight. But uh, no, honestly, Greg Graceffo uh, changed my life too. Um, he brought me in. I was almost done with football at that time, and he basically I met him at Tim Hortons on Main Street, and he just sat down with me, and said, "Hey." You should definitely try this. You're a good kid. Um, Blair Atkinson gave me a good recommendation, I guess, or whatever the case was at that time. Um, and Coach Stephen came and brought me into there and met a couple of guys there and Matt Riviera, Derek Dean, Alex Vid, a bunch of great, great receivers. Um, we had we have a dream, dude. <laughs> that 2011 team was serious on offense. I know we'll talk about it later, but. Um, but yeah, no, Gregor Saffo honestly changed my life. Um, if he didn't bring me into the rifles, I probably wouldn't even be here right now. Obviously not on the podcast because my football career wouldn't be great. But uh, at, at that time, probably even in the position that I'm in with work and everything now. So uh, he, he had a hell of a recruiting class, I'll, I'll say the least, in 2011. Talk about your rifle career. You guys both played lengthy rifle careers. Julian, I'll start with you. What do you remember about all those all those seasons, five years playing for the rifles? Oh man, like yeah, that feels like that feels like ages ago now. But I just I remember uh, our first year. Kurt, um, <laughs> man, being reunited with Kurt, um, and then it was just it was just funny because you know the, the the bonds and friendships that you make and the guys that you spend with like literally every day, especially with with being on the traveling like traveling squad going to different provinces. <laughs> um Kurt, Kurt and I were considered rookies um my first year of rifles so uh we you know we had to go through rookie experiences together mm -hmm. um and I think you know that that just made our bond even even tighter <laughs> but um you know like the first year of rifles like like we were talking about before we had like 
we had like an all-star team. Like our offense was was insane. Like we had we had Marsh, we had we had Derek Dean, like Matt Bier, Alex Vitt, Kurt. Um, you know, I was I was kind of there coming out as a fifth or sixth receiver as a sub, being the first year guy. Um, uh, but we had some extremely talented players, and and honestly, like that first year. Um, kind of similar to like how my high school was that first year playing was was probably my the most fun and, and favorite experience um we i don't know our offense was literally throwing up like 500 yards a game yeah. and i and i just remember my first my first ever catch at, at the old uh, bomber stadium um around like a 10 yard in uh and we're on the 10 yard line and my first ever catch from marsh was a touchdown and like nice. i'm like man like at one point I was like, Hey, like if this is going to happen every game, I'm going to, I'm going to have like eight touchdowns a game, but you know, little, little, little do you know, like it, it doesn't really happen like that. It's situational. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, at the same time, like uh, that was a really great introduction, but then moving through the years, uh, going, going through like year two, grade, uh, year three, um, I think Carhut ended up taking over coach yeah. Carhut. Um, and uh, the thing I really appreciate about Carhut is he, he really, you know, like he, he wanted to change the culture mm-hmm. and he was, you know, he was kind of like a, like a no bullshit type of coach. Um, it's either you're, you, you, you're, you're part of the culture or not. Um, and, uh, that's something that I really appreciated that he instilled. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know, like I, when I, when I think back, like year one was definitely the most memorable one for me. Um, because moving forward, I, I think our, our seasons were very, uh, very average, like middle of the pack, maybe make it to the first round of playoffs, always lose the, the, the Saskatoon Hilltops. Yeah. Definitely year one was, was the most memorable. Uh, 2011 was the big one. Uh, that's when we were known as the Fab Five. And I have a regrettable tattoo on my arm from it now, but uh, brings back a lot of good memories. Um, we were, I think that was the closest to a family of that I've ever had in the football community before. Um, we were all glued to each other. We would hang out at each other's houses nonstop. We'd throw parties and do different things. Uh, I promise you, there was about three or four of us that genuinely thought we were better than the Bombers' offense at the time, and <laughs> we, we were pretty confident with that. So 2011 was 2011 was great, and it uh, it really it opened my eyes to that I had to put in work because um, there's these. Like if this is the talent pool that we're going to see every year, you know, this is going to be insane. And dealing with like Matt Rivera, Derek Dean, Alex Smith, uh, Scott No Jokes, um, Marsh, obviously a quarterback. Like we had a star-studded offense, and it probably didn't help that we were down 20 points a game that we had to keep throwing. But uh, we broke like every offensive record possible. Yeah, uh, we even uh, I think came close to the BC records too, and they played two more games than us. So. Uh, 2011 was great. Uh, I ended up in a playoff loss to Saskatoon. Um, I looked right at Matt Rivers uh, when I think Donovan Gregoire got an interception, and we both looked, we're going to the PFC Championship. And then they, Saskatoon realized that wheel routes could beat us on every single play, apparently, and uh, ended up winning that game. But I tore my labrum. And then in uh, 2012, I was supposed to go to Bomber Camp, uh, broke my collarbone. Um, so I was out first first quarter of the first game. Uh, tried being very stubborn and getting back in, which I'm sure you know about too. Injuries with myself, I'm not going to sit out. Um, so I, I think I went to the doctor every week for after week four to try to get a note to play, and I ended up suiting up the last two games. And yeah, I wanted to do that because that was Persephone's last year uh, being a head coach, and I knew that uh, 
Rory Anderson, Corey Wallbauer that we were really close to too. Um, it was their last season. Yeah. So I wanted to uh, play one more game with them, and it's very memorable. Uh, 2013, it was Marsh and Rivers came back because everybody went to the Bisons after that 2011 year. And that's the year that uh, Carva came in. Um, I really gravitated towards uh, him and uh, Coach Friesen. Uh, those guys, those were my two guys. And Friesen was, I still talk to this day, he's like a brother to me almost. We joke around and probably maybe joked around a little too much on the sidelines because I know it didn't, <laughs> a lot of people didn't maybe like that. But uh, yeah, 2013 was great. Had a lot of success for myself. Um, the team, I think we just missed the playoffs that year. Um, we were in Edmonton fighting for a last playoff spot, but a lot of fun stuff happened. And in 2014, we got the nice new unis, and those were uh, oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was kind of like my the, the end of my football career in a sense. Uh, I played uh, I played Bombers uh, in their practices, mini camps. Um, had a lot of success there too, um, and that's the reason why they signed me the following year. But um, there's a lot of stuff in my draft eligibility where, because I played a game with being a redshirt bison, that it was, is this your draft year? Is this not? Is this your draft year? Is it not? So it was a lot of back and forth with there. So I kind of bet on myself thinking, hey, if I can perform right now like this, I'm sure some other CFL teams will see this. Maybe I do go into the draft, mm-hmm. um, get drafted a little bit higher. But I think after that Saskatoon playoff loss, I think that was uh, – the one game I gave everything hurt my neck um, was returning kicks, punts, which I didn't do any year, played running back, played receiver. I just, I really wanted to ball out for these guys. And I think that was a misconception on some aspects from some of our coaches was I was a diva in a sense in some, some aspects, but uh, it, it wasn't so much that I wanted the ball. It was just, I wanted to win. And I know if, you know, Chances are if it was in my hands, we're doing some good things. And that, that was it. I just really wanted the team to win. I hate losing. Um, and I love winning. So that was that was a part for me. And I just I let it out, out as much as I could in Saskatoon for that last game. And um, unfortunately, obviously, we lost. And I think the last memory I have with Rifle, sorry, I know I'm going on. Um, fourth quarter, I think Vieira threw a 40-yard pass. We took it house. Um, ended up being like a 68-yard touchdown or something like that. And I just dropped to my knee. Tears were coming down my face like a baby because I knew this was the last one. I remember Nicholas Benbenek came up behind me. He had to like drag me off the field because I was just, it was, that was like it. It's like when a car goes empty on gas, that's kind of what it was. So honestly, great. For, I was only there for four years, but great four years of my life. Wouldn't change it for anything. Met people that I still talk to this day. I knew his family more than friends. And coaches I still have great relationships with so I was uh that's a heck of a four years that's for sure one of the things that you both kind of mentioned you know just is, is the competition in the PFC can you talk about that talk about playing Saskatoon they just felt like you know, the mountain that we could never overcome that's literally what it felt like they were I, I think they they have such a great system uh when it comes to junior football um moving players from from high school to junior to CIS eventually um because in the end like when you play when we end up playing them they barely have any 18 19 20 year olds on the field everyone's a full-grown adult like literally like they're full-grown men out there who have you know like been training for 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 being able to just start for the saskatoon hilltops um coming 
like, you know, in their fourth or fifth year. So, um, but even then, like, I, I just, I, to me, I believe that it, it definitely made the PFC uh, a lot more competitive um, because every other team had to step up to their level and they were like the epitome of what, what it should be. Um, and uh, man, Kurt, help me, help me remember, but I'm pretty sure we never won against them. We no. came close. We it came was... close in 2011, but other than that, we've never won against them. No, 2011 in the playoffs was the closest we've ever That's won. Close. And it, it was always tough playing Saskatoon because it, I, I wouldn't say tough, it was frustrating because they don't do anything different. They do the no. same play over and over again. You just can't beat them. And you have to be so perfect in your execution in order to beat these guys. And I think the biggest thing with Saskatoon was, like kind of Julian said, when you have such a strong tradition in Saskatoon Hilltops of winning and winning and winning that you don't want to go anywhere else. You know, you, oh, hey, I'm high school. Oh, I get to go to Saskatoon. Like, I know that doesn't sound exciting for us, but for them, being part of the Hilltops, that's that's big. Where we lose a lot of talent to the BC Conference. We lose a lot of talent to sometimes Calgary. I know there's a couple of guys that switched there. Um, there's a lot more movement in Winnipeg than there is Saskatoon. It's like, hey, boom, this is going to the Hilltops. And, you know, the joke was always, if you can beat the Hilltops and you come out of the PFC, you're winning the whole thing. It's just yeah. laughing. Right? So that was... That was the toughest part about Saskatoon. Easy team on paper to beat. They don't wow you with athleticism. They don't wow you with skilled players. It's just they're so perfectly sound. They're kind of like the Patriots in the CJFL. One mistake will cost you the game. That's yeah. what it always is. And they, they capitalize on it. Nothing's changed. They do the same thing today that they did then. And they, they did the same thing when I played for the Rifles. And it, it is this, it is hard because it's like you know what they're doing. You know they're playing cover three. You know where the holes are. So you call your plays appropriate. You can move the ball against them. Like, they'll let you move the ball in the bulk of the field, but then they put the clamps on. And like you said, once you make a mistake, like, they capitalize every time. Like, every they always capitalize on your mistake and then just bury you, right? And uh, you say the Patriots, I've been saying for years, they're like Alabama. Like, that's what they are in the CJFL. Like, you can't beat them. Like, it's ridiculous. Really? But, uh, you, know, you know, anyways, enough of that. Enough of that Saskatoon misery. So Kurt, you, uh, you you get to the Bombers. You're going through training camp, that kind of stuff. What uh, what ends up happening with playing for the Bombers? So this is the answer, I guess. Only several people really know what happened because uh, there was rumors from. I fought literally everybody in the organization in, a, in like a fist fight, which I think is a little outrageous. Um, I was a diva and I wasn't starting, so I left. And there's so much kind of miscommunication on why I actually left the, left football in, entirely. But uh, going back to the year before, I had a great training camp. Um, we had some talented dudes there, and um, I came in every morning, um, 5 a.m. before out of camp, and I lived out, still lived with my parents at West St. Paul at the time, so it's like a 40-minute drive to the stadium. But uh, I made sure I was there for 5 a.m. Uh, I sat down with Coach Howell, went over the script for the day, um, saw my name at the bottom of that depth chart every single day, um, but I knew if I could understand the playbook and that's always been my big thing is if I'm very knowledgeable and I can pick stuff up quick in the playbook that I'd have an edge on these guys and I think by the end of that mini camp I was telling some of these guys that played at NFL for a few years like hey no this is how you have to do it you have to go here here and here and um, it was a great experience super good experience uh, met some great people and um, like I kind of said earlier I wanted to test my luck and I did come down with a little bit of an injury and 
I kind of use that as my out in a sense, saying, that, hey, you know what, I'm going to go play rifles one more year, maybe go into the draft, see how it goes, and uh, go from there. But obviously, draft didn't happen. It wasn't eligible, found out last second. So um, they were going to sign me. We met with uh, the Regina Rams coach, who is uh, very close with uh, Coach Belfade, offensive coordinator at the time. And he basically said, like, no, we're not even going to offer you anything. Like, you've got to sign. That was before I signed, so that was pretty cool to hear. But uh, in my contract, doing great, and it's convenient that Julian's here, because um, right before we went to Florida, I went to the IMG Academy for training camp. Great facility, by the way. Um, I was playing catch with Julian. I asked him to throw the ball around for me. And something just wasn't right. Um, I was dropping passes, and that's not really common of me. And I, I think even you asked, like, hey, are you all right? I said, yeah. And I was just, that was like, I was very just off wasn't myself and went down to uh camp and i think everything was fine um was doing good but i, I just something wasn't right and i wasn't it wasn't my head i just felt like i i, I kind of didn't want to be here in a sense and i think that was physically my worst practice of my entire career and it just wasn't me i think every single receiver was dropping passes left right and center i don't know if they put the ball in vaseline or something or what because it was like a nightmare to catch but uh i forgot who it was in the quarter came like hey Kurt, we'll, we'll talk to you after the next practice and i was like thanks <laughs> like that added it to it um went to go get lunch and i just was i would just it was so in my head i just was like I, I'm, I'm done I, my heart is definitely not in it and that's, that's the truth is my head and my heart um we're not in the game anymore and i went to coach howell talked to him about it he got belfade said the same thing to him and he said okay well go eat lunch we'll get back to you um but don't let anybody else know because if kyle walters or michael shea find out you're done like for good you're done and they had a room it was a huge meeting room and the middle area was kind of like a electronic kind of drops down. So I don't know where my food is. I'm getting super frustrated. So my camp's going to go to the bathroom. I won't even eat. It's fine. And then that's where Coach O'Shea was. So I was kind of like, ah, this is this was meant to be. So I talked to him. He totally understood. And I can't, I couldn't believe how understanding he was of the entire situation. He he talked to me about his ending career because he played in the CFL obviously for a very long time. Yeah. They said, you know, and sometimes you just get burned out and sometimes it's quick, like in your case, or sometimes it's way overdue, like in my case. And uh, he was so respectful of the situation and I kind of just packed my stuff up. And I talked to a few people over the phone about it. Um, I think it was the Rifles group chat, my mom, I called my agents that I'm retiring and thought I was crazy too at the time. But uh, it was honestly, it felt like a weight was just lifted right off my shoulders and i was like wow this is i, I feel good and i haven't felt good in a really long time and uh coach o'shea was on an interview and just said you know his heart's not in it kept it very short because uh, a lot of people were blowing me up after that i think my phone had like 300 plus messages on combined of email instagram everything else and it was just surreal and I think I sat at Chili's at the airport because I had about 18 hours of delay to get back to Winnipeg. It was like Florida to Ottawa to Calgary to Edmonton to Winnipeg. And I was like, you guys really didn't want me to leave, eh? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just I had a beer, I had a burger. It was probably the first time I had a beer in about two, three years. And I just sat back and I was like, that's it. And uh, it wasn't 
It wasn't anything from fighting coaches, being a diva or anything like that. It was just, I had a really bad practice and my mental health was not there because obviously it's you know, a bad practice and I took that stuff to heart. It didn't matter if it was one play or 10 plays, if I had a bad practice, it really affected me. Um, so in a sense that really caused it, but knowing that I was in that spot weeks prior with Julian too, it was just, I knew this wasn't a long-term thing and maybe it was a half year or quarter year crisis uh, or whatever, they, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I didn't have school at the time that added it. So it's just kind of like a lot of things piled into one. And that's honestly why I walked away and uh, it hasn't really affected me since at the beginning, I was a little like, what if, but um, that, that's well past and I'm in a great situation now, but that, that's the truth. It was just, I had a bad, had a wicked, wickedly bad practice. Um, my heart, my head were so out of football and I think I was just a little run down and I just wanted to see what else life had to offer. I know I can hang with these guys. I know I can play at that level and that's kind of all I really needed. And you know what, Kurt, I, I appreciate yeah. your honesty and just kind of, you know, letting people know in the community because people didn't really know. And it was kind of like a shock because, you know, we're all watching you and you're chasing your dream. But like you said, like sometimes you just kind of run out of steam and you, you kind of lose that passion. You know, we got to make decisions for ourselves too. So again, I just appreciate the honesty and you kind of, you know, telling the truth and letting everybody know really why you stepped away. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really tough for the first year. And I don't think for the first couple of years, I don't think I watched any CFL football. I don't think I really paid attention to NFL. It was, it was really tough being in that community because like you kind of said, people were always, no one really knew what happened and no one kind of understood it either. So it was, it was really tough being a part of the football community still. So that's kind of why I really, when I left, it was like, Hey, I'm closing this chapter almost for good. And I'm kind of just walking away completely from it. That's kind of why I've been absentee from a lot of coaching and stuff like that, just cause it's, it's not my cup of tea anymore. Julian, you, you've kind of taken on after playing junior, you've, you played some uh, flag for team Manitoba and for team Canada. Can you talk about that experience? Yep. When I was done playing rifles, um, you know, uh, everyone plays kind of in the pit, pit football league and you know you just kind of i'm a pit legend it, yeah it's something to do right like yep. you, you want to you want to keep competing you want to keep playing football um that's probably the best it's going to get uh because you know there's really no unless you're going to go play for the bombers there's no there's no tackle football league up there so nice. uh you know i was just kind of going through the motions playing for like multiple touch teams after i was done playing rifles um and then there was like an invite uh i think john franklin sent out like an invite like hey we're putting together a flag team if you if you want to play flag um we're going to represent team manitoba and um and i was like yeah sure like let, let's try it out let's see if you know i'm good enough if i make it um the first year that we went out um as team manitoba we played a tournament in nova scotia um so we went out there, uh, I forgot we finished, we finished third. I think we finished third. Um, but either way there was, there was nothing really that came out of it. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, uh, the one thing that did come out of it is that the champion championship team ended up going to play in the worlds. Um, and th those were the guys from Saskatchewan, um, go figure a bunch of them played for the Saskatoon Hilltops and, and, you know, uh, and the Saskatchewan Huskies or, Regina Thunder, most of them from Saskatoon though. Okay. Um, so uh, I guess that's kind of where the national team started. 
Um, but then how I got a part of the national team was uh, the following, I think it was the following year, um, they were having another national tournament for flag. Um, so once again, uh, Mike LePing uh, put, put, together, uh, put together a squad, um, you know, had some tryouts, went out there, uh, started competing and playing. And um, I, I ended up playing defense and I have never played defense, DV, any, any sort of anything throughout my whole football career is always offensive. Okay. Um, but uh, they kind of switched me over to, to DV. Um, and honestly, like when I talked to you before about football IQ, um, you know, going through going through being a quarterback and understanding defenses and understanding how a QB is playing, how how receivers are going to run, playing all the positions, mm-hmm. it it definitely just kind of clicked and everything uh, everything just kind of slowed down. And um, although I might not be the best like man to man coverage, I I'm definitely smarter than most <laughs> when it comes to playing defense. Um, just a lot of it ends up being positioning at the end of the day. And uh, when we played that tournament in uh, Saskatoon, uh, it was at the Gordie Howe Bowl. Nice. Um, yeah, so the, the, the tournament itself, um, our whole team, like we were playing really, really well. Um, I was playing lights out defense the whole tournament. Um, and even to the point where uh, like the refs or um, at the time, uh, coach uh, Chad Palmer, who's the national team coach, um word kind of spread to him about hey like there's there's this kid that plays you know defense for team manitoba you should check him out um we were definitely underdogs in that tournament but uh we ended up rolling through all the way to the finals um and then we ended up playing against um against saskatchewan in the finals and uh that that game was like a complete defensive battle i think i had two interceptions but we ended up winning 13 to 6 or 13 to 8 or something like that something really close um but that normally doesn't happen in flag football traditionally speaking but after the game um coach palmer came up to me after he's like hey like we're gonna go play in the worlds in panama in a couple months um like i like the way you play uh do you want to do you want to come out do you want to do you want to be a part of the team i was like hell yeah like i didn't even know this existed i'm gonna be honest like i i i didn't know that there was competitive like that high competitive flag football but um, anyways, go down to play in Panama and like, that was a really fun experience. Like, um, you could, if you ever want to know anything about national or world flag football, you could just look it up on YouTube. Um, but our, our games, like that was a lot of fun, man. Like, I think it ties back to like, I love being in a competitive setting. Uh, I love training for being competitive. Um, and that just like lit the fire again. Um, so, you know, being able to play at that high level, uh, when you're playing, you know, like guys in the States who used to play D one football or, you know, or ex NFLers, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun to play in that setting. Um, and then, uh, and I, and I believe like, uh, still a part of the team. So, um, the next tournament i think is in jerusalem come in december so i'll be training and heading out to that fourth quarter action with julian benares kurt goodridge and coach geese 
So guys, uh, NFL teams just, uh, well, a couple of NFL teams just started training camp. Uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, started yesterday. Steelers also uh, got a nice signing on defense that we much needed. Melvin Ingram, defensive end, so I'm pretty happy about that. Both the CFL and NFL are, you know, fast approaching. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Are you excited about uh, football coming back, Kurt? I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm a huge better. So NFL is coming around, and that's that's my forte. So I get okay. uh, I deep dive into that pretty good. And we're actually, Julian and I are conveniently enough on a, a pretty hyper-aggressive uh, uh, fantasy draft. Okay. We've been in this uh, fantasy league for, what, like four or five, six years maybe now? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's been very – it kind of takes over the football. Uh, life, but it's nice to have it back. Can't wait to watch Red Zone again and have multiple TVs going and bets going twenty four seven. So I'm really excited. You know, I love I love when the NFL starts up. I just love when football starts up in general, like college football, NFL, CFL. I watch it. Um, but but man, like going back to what Kurt said, um, our our NFL fantasy league, it it definitely gets pretty toxic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's a it's a good group of guys. We've been, we've been in it for so long, and you know, like without without Kurt, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have won that championship. What was it? Two two three years ago, um, Kurt probably made the dumbest trade ever. But I appreciate <laughs> him for that. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the extra two K in in winnings. But uh, but yeah, man, like I I just love it, and I love uh, I love watching it and. Having having red zone on and and also messaging, you know the guy who you're playing on the side, especially when it's Kurt, because I just love shit talking Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So speaking of the NFL, right? A lot of rookie quarterbacks got drafted. There's going to be QB competitions going on. You know, a lot of a lot of drama on the offseason with different quarterbacks trying to get out or get traded, that kind of stuff. But uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Aaron Rodgers saga? What's going to happen there? Is he going to end up playing for them? Are they going to trade him? Is he going to sit out the whole year? What do you think? Kurt, I'll start with you. I think he I think he sits. I don't think the Pack. I would like the Packers to trade him, um, but I don't think they will. I think they'll force him to sit, and that's unfortunate because he's, he's balled out last year, and it would be a shame if he doesn't get to play. But – I think that's when you know business talk. Business is business, um, especially in football. Politics play a big thing in it too. But um, I think he sits for the entire year. He doesn't play, um, and then who knows what happens next year? But I don't think the Packers will trade him. That draft or that trade capital would need to be very, very high in order for that to happen. I don't even think another team would have that type of trade capital to go get. I honestly, he'll probably sit. Like, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't really see him playing this year, especially like he he had that two year uh, that two year offer, but yeah. he, he didn't end up signing it. Um, that just that just goes to say a lot uh, with the future of the team. But man, like it's a shame, like Kurt said, like he's balling out. Um, but it's also a shame on like the Packers organization. They they just it just feels like they're not getting him any help. He has Devontae Adams, but then other than that, like I don't know. You look at guys like Tom Brady. They're they're bringing in the you know everyone everyone in the sun just to just to keep him keep him up and running and like giving talent around him um and you know it pays off dividends like i i truly believe if aaron Rodgers had the talent around him like you know he he would be up there with tom brady in super bowls but it's just not you know not there for him. well you look at what they got now you get tom brady who has you know godwin evans you know antonio brown even though that's a different situation and you have Devontae adams and MVS. And that's it. (laughs) But in saying that, he was the MVP of the league. So those guys around him are good enough. 
So I don't necessarily I, totally agree with you, but I, I don't uh, know. I don't know about that because, no? like, I think you, I think you'd be way better. I think you'd be way better with a supporting cast because that season that was all him, man. Like he, he's that guy's player. Kind of the reason why I dislike him is he's got the worst body language in the world. Like the guy doesn't come across <laughs> as somebody that's very likable. And like as your cue, like I know he's got that extreme arrogance, and he deserves to have it, right? He's a baller, like no doubt, great, one of the greatest throwers ever. I totally, totally respect that. But uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Interesting. It's interesting <laughs> how they don't want to make those decisions for him. They don't want to bring in guys for him. So what does that say about the organization too? So, anyways, there's a lot to unpack there. We'll see. We'll see what happens, right? Camp's fast approaching. So, um, how about uh, how about the Bombers? The Bombers are going to be defending the cup after a year and a half, two year hiatus. What uh, what do you think about that? How do you think our team's going to be? I don't know. It's funny because, like, after the CFL hasn't been around for, like, a year and a half, I kind of just stopped following it. It's not in my news feed or anything like that. Right. So, like, I have no idea what it's going to look like when it starts. Um, you know, uh, I, I just – I'm actually really interested to see what it's going to be like for, for a lot of – like, for the CFL in general, mm-hmm. just to see them, like, they had a year and a half off, like what kind of football is going to be played. And I think that's the most exciting part about it is like, we have no idea what it's going to look like. Come, come the start of, come the start of this season. But I mean, like, hopefully the big blue bombers end up, end up uh, defending the cup. I just hope it's, it's good quality football. Cause I'm worried that after spending that much time off, that it's going to be a little sloppy off the start. No disrespect to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, I think everybody knows, you know, that first game back is it's a little, it's a little different, especially without any preseason and stuff like that. And yeah. I know they're doing, you know, mixed scrimmages, and it's not the same though. You have nope. to get in that game to actually get conditioned for it. So I think it'll be interesting. I you know hope, hopefully they do the best, but I think the lead's going to be wide open. You got a lot of guys that have aged, a lot of people retired, um, a lot of people bounce the teams to teams. So yeah. I think it's going to be a very different year. Um, just going off paper, I think Bombers got a pretty talented roster, so I think they very well could defend. But I think it's all just. It's got to come down to coaching, to be totally honest. And I think that's where Bombers are much higher than a lot of these other teams. So I think we're in a good spot. Guys, I just want to kind of touch on where you're at with your own lives right now. Uh, Kurt, what are you doing for work? What, what's going on in your life? Yeah, I kind of, after football, I got into fitness. So it was something that I, I loved and had passion for. And I just kept doing it. And I climbed throughout Snap Fitness's corporate ladder and um, put myself in a, in a fancy director position now and I uh, oversee a lot of our corporate locations in North America. So it definitely keeps me busy. And then uh, this past July, well, it's not this July, but last July, I actually bought my own Snap Fitness. So if you're in the East Kildonan area, come come out and uh, check it out. But uh, no, it's, uh, well, yeah, it. it's, it's, it's nice. It's a nice gym. It was very, it was, wasn't taken care of. And we've done a ton to it. We renovated it completely, got some new stuff in there. And keeps me busy. It's, uh, it's definitely a passion of mine and I've been very close to it. So it's easy for me to get to, but that's basically all snap fitness. Snap fitness is the life now, apparently. So. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Maybe coach Geese can get a discount. I, I, I just got to say though, like the renovations that we made to the, to the gym, like when I first started, you know, going there, seeing Kurt, uh, uh to now, Kurt's done a really good job. It was, it was that, that, that place looks clean, man. Like you did a really good job there. So when I was when I was playing football, like I, I worked for uh, I worked for Kudo, uh, the, the, the cell phone company, mm-hmm. um, and then my last year of rifles, um, I got promoted to being a store manager. So um, I remember I was managing a store, 
Um, and I was actually considering not even playing my last my last year of rifles uh, because of you know the responsibility that comes with it. But I ended up figuring out a way around it. Ended up playing, but uh, from store manager, did that for a couple of years, even after the rifles, um, and now moved into I guess a territory sales manager role. So I take care of Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Um, so as much as you know, I don't like Saskatchewan. I have to go there now uh, for work purposes. Uh, but um, but yeah, kidding aside, like uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much what I've been up to career-wise is just. Uh, um, yeah, just working, working away, chipping away, <laughs> yeah. climbing the ladder, as as they say, the corporate ladder, kind of like how Kurt said. Okay. Yeah. And and how did you guys deal with COVID nineteen, the pandemic? How did that affect your life and work? Mine was a little unique. I got I had knee surgery um, as soon as everything got shut down. Um, so two years prior to COVID, I, I tore my ACL, medial meniscus, lateral meniscus, and strained my MCL. Basketball, skate football, nice and easy. Basketball puts me up. Yeah. So I'm stubborn, put that off for a while. Finally got the surgery. Um, I actually came back from Houston. Um, in February, because I've traveled to for work, and uh, they basically said, no, get out, because I was sick, and this was kind of before COVID really was a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I came back in a couple, or a month later, got surgery, so I didn't have to deal with, like, the toilet paper pandemic, where people were going crazy <laughs> off that. I didn't even go into a grocery store for a while. Um, but yeah, it was work was really getting to me. Um, ended up <laughs> splitting from my fiance at the time, so that was a life changing thing too. Um, but uh, we're both on good terms now, and it was just the right thing for both people um, at the time. So, um, no, it was it was definitely a different experience because I remember six months, probably or five months, whatever it was, having to go grocery shopping for myself and. This is just because I obviously wasn't with my knee. And uh, I walked in there, and this is COVID is big. Like, COVID is the scariest thing possible. I walked in a superstore, and I was like, there's no way this is sanitary. This is danger. I got to get out of here. So that was uh, it was definitely a weird experience. But dealing as a business owner, too, as well, it's it's definitely had its ups and downs. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of stuff that nobody has really ever dealt with. And having to really stop at the drop of a dime um, and fix your entire business operation and let go of staff, bring staff back. It's, it's a little crazy. So um, it's definitely a, a different scenario um, in a bunch of different aspects, but uh, yeah, COVID is uh, hopefully it's slowing down knock on wood, whatever you want to do, but uh, different experience, maybe a stronger person at the end of the day, especially as a business owner too. So it's a gift and a curse in some aspects. Yeah, I can relate to kind of like having to shut down. I had just for my big air camps, I had a few different camps at different times where we're halfway through the, the camp and we got to shut down with a few weeks left. You got to refund money or you got to make up the workouts and then you come back the next time it happens again. You're right. Like it, it was tough. It was tough, but you just got to keep your head up and keep grinding. Julian, how did you deal with the pandemic? How did it affect your life? I was, I guess I'm fortunate enough that like I, I work from home in general, so um, didn't really affect much through work. Uh, very fortunate to, to move from, I guess my, my job is to go out, visit stores, support them out in the field, but um, now just doing it virtually and even still doing it virtually until uh, I guess restrictions ease up and they're starting to ease up. So I'll probably go back and field soon. Um, but yeah, just in a really fortunate position with work. Um, but I mean, in the other aspect, when Jim started closing, uh, I think that's that's uh, that took took its toll on me. Uh, 
definitely had to find creative ways to work out without gyms. Um, but uh, I think I think uh, over the over the pandemic, I, I I gained the most weight that I've ever ever had. If you <laughs> want to say like pandemic weight, um, but uh, yeah, man, like I I don't think naturally I I don't like I've never gotten to close to like 190 pounds or anything like that. Um, I weighed myself at the end of the pandemic, or not not at the end, like um, the gyms first opened, and I was tipping the scale at 210. Um, so definitely, definitely a little bit too much to take the dishes and Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, like it's it's all starting to go down go down now. Like now that gyms are open, I'm able to run outside. It, it's, it's just funny, man. Like uh, you know, staying at home actually does. And, and being locked, like basically just, you don't really leave. You don't really do anything. There's no one to go see. There's no, nothing to really go do. Right. Um, it, it does, you know, take a toll on you mentally and physically. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that it's starting to open up again and we're able to, you know, go back to the gyms, go, you know, just go do stuff. So uh, at first, definitely, I would say it took a toll. I, I didn't really leave my house for any real good reason. But, uh, but now it's... Uh, yeah, now it's getting a lot better. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice that things are, you know, kind of kind of coming back to normal. Things are opening up slowly and more of us yeah. are getting fully vaccinated and everything. I hope that by the fall we'll be able to play high school football again and kind of get back to normal. These kids are missing out, which is really unfortunate. But uh, guys, I got one more question for you before we wrap up today. Who is your favorite player of all time and why? I got two. I got both 88s, uh, Michael Irvin and Marvin Harrison. Um, it's kind of polar opposites, and I kind of view that's my game too, um, where sometimes I was showboat, all talk, that kind of stuff as Michael Irvin, but there's a lot of times where I was very quiet, like Marvin Harrison on the field, where you just did your, did your stuff, get out of there. Um, so those are two guys that I really try to mold my game after, two completely different guys, but... Uh, that's where the 88 has to stick together. So, Oh, very cool. I was going to ask you about the 88, and I like, I like that. Those are two good references. And, and polar opposites, like you said, like completely different personalities, but very dynamic receivers. My favorite player of all time is Steve Smith. That dude is a dog. Like, I, I just I, – I looked up to him and, like, every – you know, watching his highlights, watching him play week in and week out. Um, I think I just related to him just because, you know, he's, he's another five nine receiver. But the guy played like he was. The guy played like he was the biggest dude on the field. Like I, I loved watching him play. Um, tried to mold my game around him. Definitely don't have the toughness that he did. But man, like I, that's that's someone who I really respected. Like going through my football career, still do. And like it, it was always a pleasure to watch. Yeah, he was a tremendous player, right? Such a small guy that carried such a big hammer with him. Like he just smoked people left, right, and center. Wasn't afraid of nothing. Like he was a great receiver, and I, I like him on TV too. He's good on the networks now, and he covers games. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he's got great. He's insight. really good. Yeah, so th those are great choices, guys. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for being on tonight. Uh, appreciate you know reconnecting with. It's been a long time since I coached you guys. Been uh, you know multiple years. I'm approaching forty. You guys are approaching thirty. We're we're getting old here, but uh, again. <laughs> Thank you for being on. I appreciate it. My audience got a lot out of hearing your stories and your backgrounds. I hope you guys enjoyed your time. Absolutely. Thank you. No problem, guys. Well, 
again, I want to thank the audience who's listening and tunes in every week. Next week's going to be my last episode of the season, and I'm getting ready for football season. So uh, we got a big one coming next. But thanks again for everybody listening. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on. I hope you have a good night. Bye.